Welcome to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Every other week, we bring you Catholic teachings and stories of faith from people throughout the diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. This is the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to our next episode of the Gaudium et Spes podcast. Um, Happy St. Patrick's Day, Chaz. Whoa, you caught me unawares. I accidentally wore green today. You did not accidentally wear green today. I did not. It was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I love this day. <laughs> yeah, I I am adopted into an Irish family. My wife is 50% Irish, so I've gotten used to it over the years. It's not As an Italian-American, it's not exactly my cuisine cup of tea, but I enjoy a Guinness, and I enjoy corned beef and cabbage, too, every once in a while, so to all the Irish people out there. Congratulations. Have yes, your day. Yes. Well, wonderful. Well, hey, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our last podcast, please do so, where we had Matt Nee and Ariel May from Catholic Charities. Um, and, you know, Matt and his team have been doing some really great work out in Panama City and Bay County with the recent fires. So thanks to all of their hard work um, helping individuals and family members over there. So if you'd like to donate and help to that cause, please do so. You can um, go to the Catholic Charities website and uh, donate right online there. For sure. Again, praise God, as at the time of this recording, the fires seem to be getting under control. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cleanup needed. A lot of people need help and stuff. So Catholic Charities is, is, your, is your destination for sure. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, get it started here, guys. We've got another episode with Bishop Walk today on the prophets, both major and minor. For that, though, let's check in with how we're doing, and we'll start with our quote from Gaudium et Spes, uh, paragraph one, which goes, the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the men of this age, especially those who are poor or in any way afflicted, these are the joys and hopes, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. And Suzanne, it's... Um, this quote has probably never been more relevant, unfortunately, um, the, the sharing in the griefs and anxieties of, of the men of this age, people of the world. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can only, I don't really have a high today. I can only speak to just the general grief and anxiety of watching everything unfolding in Ukraine um, right. and of just a, a kind of a, watching this. I read an article that defined it as kind of a fratricide. Um, mm -hmm. a, a, and, you know, these people who are so tied together, who have suffered so much, even just 80 years ago, um, in, the, in the war against um, Nazi Germany, Ukrainians and Russians fought together, bled together. In many of these same places that we see on the map today, suffered so, so much together, um, and yet are in conflict with one another again with, uh, with this aggression. And it's just just fills me with grief and also fills me with anxiety, dread, all sorts of things. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, with um, technology today, being able to see things live, right. to see the faces of those afflicted, it, it really hits your heart and uh, it makes you um, just, you know, pray for them even more that, uh, you know, that something will come to an end soon with all with everything that's going on. Absolutely, yeah. It has been a and you having served in the military probably yes. know the intimacy of how these realities play out a lot more a lot more closely than a lot of people do and mm -hmm. stuff. But I think it is even for people who've read about warfare and conflict and stuff like that. This is a different it's a different experience. I think for a lot of people and the way they're digesting it and, and seeing it unfold day to day. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Mm. 
On the back of that, of course, these and Lord God, please send us a, a resolution of these these conflicts as soon as possible. We, along with the Ukrainian bishops who are asking for prayers throughout the whole world, and especially our ladies' intercession, we we join our prayers with them. It's sort of fitting today that we're going into the prophets who uh, saw the the griefs and anxieties, the problems of their day, and spoke into them with with fervor, with conviction, oftentimes in the face of persecution. So we're going to turn over to Bishop Walk and let him unfold these major minor prophets, and we'll see you on the flip side. So far in our series on the Bible, we've had the introduction to the Bible. Remember, what is it? Where does it come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit, obviously. It's divinely inspired. How was the canon, that is the number of books, established by tradition and the Holy Spirit? And what is the Bible? It is God's self-revelation to his creation. God is revealing himself to us. And how do we read it? You know, we ask God to assist us. We pray. We ask the Holy Spirit, help me open my mind, open my heart so that I may hear your word. And um, we ask God for uh, guidance. And we get that guidance in the Holy Catholic Church from the Magisterium. There are 73 books of the Bible, and they all reveal to us God. God is revealing himself to us. And they teach us how to respond to God, how to pray, how to act, how to worship, you know, how, how we are to live as God's beloved children. In the last episode, I talked about the Pentateuch and the historical books. Remember, the Torah is the law. The first five books, Penta, are it comprise the Torah, the Pentateuch. It is the story of the birth, the calling, and the promise of the people of God. In the Torah, we learn this. God selects a people to be his own. He equips them with the law and worship and gives them the promised land. All of this leads to to the attempt to evoke a response from the people of God. God has presented his laws, and now it is up to us to respond. It's a quick history of the Torah and the historical books. And by the way, as I've done in the other episodes, I'll be quoting heavily from the New American Bible. I love that, and I've said that before. I love this version. This is the version of the the church, the bishops because it has a lot of notes in it, and especially at the beginning of a book and throughout all the end notes and the the footnotes, the beginning notes, it's really, really helpful. So that's what I'll be quoting from. Today, we then turn to the prophetic books. There are 18 books that comprise this genre, if you will. Four major prophets, 12 minor prophets, as well as the books of Lamentations and Baruch. And I'll explain all of this. And by the way, when we say there are four major prophets and 12 minor prophets, that's, it does not mean that the minor prophets were any less important. It really refers to the length of their book, uh, of their writing, um, their respective compositions, not to any distinction in their office, just so you know that. So we traditionally um, hold that there are four major prophets, and 12 minor prophets, and so we'll go over those. But first, from the introduction to the prophetic books from the New American Bible, I really like this. The prophetic books, together with the oral preaching of the prophets, were the result of the institution of prophetism, in which a succession of Israelites chosen by God and anointed by him to be prophets received communications from him and transmitted them to the people in his name. The prophets were spokesmen of God, intermediaries between him and his people. The communications they received from God came through visions, dreams, and ecstasies, 
and were transmitted to the people through sermons, writings, and symbolic actions. And one more sentence. I like this one. The office of prophet was due to a direct call from God. It was not the result of heredity, just as it was not a permanent gift, but a transient one, subject entirely to the divine will. Gives a good introduction to the office of prophet. The earlier prophets, as we'll see, focused on the exhortation to return to the Lord and his law, the tradition of the elders. The later prophets, the later prophecies dealt with the coming of the Messiah, turning God's people toward the expectation, the longing, the hope of the coming of the Messiah and eternal life. They represent more clarity in that regard, you know, the Messiah and eternal life as time goes on. Again, it was toward the end, it was not just take care of the faith and your own people, but more and more the Messiah will come to bring salvation to all of God's people. One more paragraph from the, um, from the Bible is this. The prophecies express judgments of the people's moral conduct on the basis of the Mosaic alliance between God and Israel. They teach sublime truths and lofty morals. They contain exhortations, threats, announcements of punishment, promises of deliverance made with solemn authority and in highly imaginative language. In the affairs of men, their prime concern is the interests of God, especially in what pertains to the chosen people through whom the Messiah is to come. Hence their denunciations of idolatry and of that externalism in worship which excludes the interior spirit of religion. They are concerned also with the universal nature of the moral law, with personal responsibility, with the person and office of the Messiah, and with the conduct of foreign nations. So you see, it goes beyond, you know, return to the Lord, follow his commandments to now. The Lord, your God, is, is sending a Messiah. The Messiah will come and he will bring salvation to all people. So therefore, you as God's people should love all people and should prepare yourselves not only to receive the Messiah, but to be like the Messiah, to, be, to love like that and to be merciful, etc. The prophetic books of the Bible do not form a unified whole, if you will. Um, some are records of specific prophets, some are not. For instance, Jonah is the story of the mission of a prophet and not prophecies per se. Lamentations is not prophecy either. It is the mourning over Jerusalem by Jeremiah as a representative of the people of God. Daniel is more like apocalyptic literature than prophecy, but nonetheless, they've been grouped together under this, this heading of the books of the prophets, the prophetic works in the Bible. They represent various ways in which God speaks and the methods that were used to call people back to holiness and point them toward a future, future full of hope. As far as the expected timeline for the specific prophecies go, this is important. This varies. Sometimes the prophecies are for the near future or for that day. Other times it is to be fulfilled in the very distant future. Prophets themselves didn't have the answers. They were merely sp spokespersons for God. We can imagine, we know actually, that to be a prophet was not an enviable vocation. Prophets in the Bible preached repentance and woe. They accused people of sin and idolatry, and they were thus not easy to listen to. The later prophets knew that this could be a death sentence to be a prophet, so they resisted. 
God's call when it came. They said, not me. I'm too young. I can't speak. Send someone else. Jesus recognized this in the Gospels when he gave us the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are you when you are persecuted, for our ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. It may not have been an enviable vocation, but the office of prophet was extremely important, both for calling people back to God and preparing them for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So let's look through the Bibles, the Bible, the books. And as I said, this is um, this is just a summary. I I hope this helps you to to learn just enough to want to read the whole book and study more about each of these books. But this is just a quick summary of each one of the major and the minor prophets. First one is Isaiah. As part of his call, Isaiah witnessed a vision of God's glory and immensity. This colored his prophecy in which he chided people for their sinfulness and selfish behavior. He was overwhelmed by the chasm between God's infinite goodness and the sin of humanity. Because he was called and purified, he was able to respond, Here I am, send me, which really is the refrain for all of the prophets, all of the saints, all of the disciples, and hopefully for us as well, for God continues to call us. It was Isaiah who gave us that, that phrase that, that, that really should resound from our hearts. Here I am, Lord, send me. It is widely held that Isaiah, prophesying in the 8th century before Christ, composed the, most of the book himself, and that his disciples, writing in his name, composed the remainder. So that's why you might hear the last the, the last 15 chapters or so called Deutero Isaiah, Second Isaiah. They think that it was written by an anonymous poet who attached Isaiah's name to it. From these chapters come the suffering servant songs, you know, which which really we believe directly refer to Jesus Christ in his passion and his, his death as well. We can say that the prophecies refer to a king or the people of Israel as a whole, but it's clear that these find their perfection in Jesus Christ. I mean, how could we not believe that when Jesus himself quoted Isaiah and attributed that prophecy to himself? When Jesus stood up in the, in the synagogue and said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. That comes from Isaiah. Jesus quoted Isaiah directly from there. So, of course, we believe that those prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Next is Jeremiah. Jeremiah portrays a nation in crisis. We see the rise of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, which would be the end of Judean independence and the fall of Jerusalem. God called Jeremiah at a very young age, to call the people back to faithfulness in the midst of a very dark time in history. Jeremiah was one who complained and said, I'm too young, don't send me. And God said, no, no, I choose you. I, I, I'll choose whoever I want, and I choose you. Because the people did not listen to him and persisted in their sins and following false prophets, the Babylonians captured Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. Around this time, the year 587 B.C., Jeremiah uttered the oracle of the new covenant, which is sometimes referred to as the gospel before the gospel. That's Jeremiah chapter 31. You probably know it well. I'll just read a little bit of it. This has been called the gospel before the gospel. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers the day I took them by the hand to lead them forth from the land of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, and I had to show myself their master, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This comes from Isaiah, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 32. It is the hallmark of, of Jeremiah's prophecy. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Ezekiel, the third major prophet. Ezekiel is primarily interested in the temple and worship. Like Jeremiah, he was a priest. He became a prophet in Babylon during the exile during the time the Babylonians exiled our ancestors from Jerusalem. He was the first prophet to receive a call outside the Holy Land. He helped to prepare people for the fall of Jerusalem and the temple, and eventually helped them to get ready for the restoration and the return. Like Jeremiah, he saw a new covenant as coming in the future. And I want to read that. That's from another very famous and awesome passage in Ezekiel. Chapter 36. I'll just read a couple of sentences. I will take you away from among the nations, gather you from all your foreign lands, and bring you back to your own land. You see, he's speaking after the exile and getting his people um, ready to be brought back into the Holy Land. But now we look back and we see that this really speaks of the universal call to holiness and salvation brought given to us by Jesus Christ. I can, it continues, I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from your impurities and cleanse you from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. There's that refrain that we hear again and again, over and over again, starting from Leviticus, you shall be my people, I will be your God. The prophets, you know, they, we, we know that they had, they preached gloom and doom and woe and all of that, but it's basically calling us back to that, that promise, that original goodness that God gave to us, gave to us at creation. And for us Christians, we look back and we see, ah, this is not just speaking about a promised land and returning to a physical place in Jerusalem, but our true home in the kingdom of heaven. As with Jeremiah, this new covenant would be fulfilled only in the New Testament. The last of the major prophets is Daniel. And whereas Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel were written perhaps 500 years or more before Christ, Daniel is a little bit more recent, maybe 150 BC. And it was written to comfort the Jewish people during a time of bitter persecution. The visions in the book of Daniel, which is more apocalyptic than prophetic, promise glory to come to the Jews one day. The kingdom of God will ultimately triumph. The book of Daniel speaks of this mysterious figure, the Son of Man. And Jesus, of course, was happy to identify himself as a Son of Man or the Son of Man. The moral in the book of Daniel is this. The person of faith can resist temptation and conquer adversity. We have stories like Daniel in the lion's den, the three young men who are thrown in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, etc. Those who are hold out 
can resist temptation and conquer all kinds of adversity, any kind of adversity. That's from the book of Daniel. Now we turn to the 12 minor prophets. And again, remember, this is not, they're not minor because they're, they're, they're less important just because they're shorter books. As with the major prophets, these call people back to obedience and righteousness. They describe how people's repentance led to their restoration after the exile. They foretold the coming of the Messiah. And also, especially in the minor prophets, the books, those books, they focus a lot on social justice, concern for the poor. So let's go through them again. They're brief here. The first one is Hosea. The most notable and most influential thing for Hosea is that he is married to an adulteress, a harlot, a prostitute. This this symbolized Israel who was unfaithful to her bride, her, her spouse, that is, God. But Hosea does not dismiss her, neither does God dismiss us because of our unfaithfulness. Hosea takes her back. Hosea and and God does the same, takes us back, chastises Israel, but cannot divorce himself from us. Chapter 11 in Hosea. If you want to read one great chapter, read the whole book, of course, but chapter 11 is probably one of the best examples of mercy and tenderness in the Old Testament. Chapter 11, Hosea. Because there it's talking about how, yes, we were unfaithful, but God basically says this, when Israel was a child, I loved him. I taught Ephraim to walk. I fostered them as one who raises an infant to his cheeks. In other words, God is kind of lamenting, like, I, I, but I love them. I, I know they sinned, but I love them. And of course, I will take them back. If you need to be reassured of God's mercy, um, even in, in the Old Testament, you know, which is known for you know, gloom and doom for a lot of people, Hosea chapter 11 is a beautiful chapter. The next prophet is Joel. And this centers around what, what he constantly calls, refers to as the day of the Lord. The people of Joel's time were influenced by a horrible plague. Not only influenced, they, were, they experienced this horrible plague of locusts, which ravaged the land. And so Joel says, just so the day of the Lord will bring destruction, just like these locusts, unless you repent. There is a very famous passage in chapter 2. I say famous to us because we hear it every year on Ash Wednesday. That's where he says, blow the trumpet, proclaim a fast, gather the assembly, etc. And it's how we begin Ash Wednesday. And in chapter 3, he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all humankind. This refers to, we believe, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. So Joel, yes, calls the people back to repentance, but he's already pointing people toward what is sure to come. The book of Amos is next. Amos lived and prophesied during a time of prosperity. This is important. The rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer. And Amos offers a brutal judgment on God's people. God speaks through Amos saying, I abhor the pride of Jacob. I hate his castles. You trample on the poor and devour the lowly. Do you think that I do not see these things? So as I said, it's really a a brutal judgment on God's people. But there is hope in the end. I will not destroy you completely. I will raise up its ruins, the ruins of Israel, and I will make a new nation of them. So 
if you you know if you get put off a little bit by some of the harsh language in the the prophets, keep reading. There's always that message of hope pointing us toward the future. Obadiah. Obadiah is a short book, one of the shortest, if not the shortest, in the Bible. In fact, it's just one chapter, 21 verses. But it also offers some of the most harsh prophecies in the Old Testament, just like Amos. But just like him, again, talks about restoration. It will come one day. Jonah. Jonah is more of a story than a prophecy. Jonah is a, and most people know the story of Jonah and the whale, but it doesn't say whale. It says great fish, but that's pretty much what people know. But it's really good to know what happened. What, 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 what about him and the fish? Jonah is a disobedient prophet who tries to flee. God says, go to the people of Nineveh and tell them to repent. Well, Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to repent. They were not He did not like the Ninevites at all, and he thought, if I don't tell them to repent, they won't, and then they'll be destroyed. Good. So he fled. He went away from doing God's will and found himself on a boat and uh, sailing in the wrong direction. There was a great storm, and the, the people on the boat said, someone here is disobedient, is disobeying God's will, and Jonah said, it's I. And they threw him overboard, and that's when he was swallowed by this great fish three days and was as it says, vomited out onto the beach. And then, I love it, and then it just says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and said, now Jonah, go to the Ninevites. It's almost as if to say, did I get your attention now? So Jonah goes and he preaches repentance and everyone repents and God spares the city, the whole place. Is Jonah happy? Jonah is angry that they did that and he complains to God because his preaching was so successful. Jonah represents those Jews of his day who were focused on themselves in a spirit of nationalism while condemning everyone else. But God's mercy is offered to all people. Anyone who repents, anyone who comes to him is acceptable to God. From the the footnotes, this book also prepares the way for the gospel with its message of redemption for all, both Jew and Gentile. The next book, Micah. Like Amos, he is a fiery prophet who railed against those who neglect the poor, as well as corrupt priests and prophets. But then there's chapter 5. In chapter 5, we get this awesome message of hope, which, of course, we believe prophesies the birth of the Lord. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too small to be counted among God's clans, etc., from you shall come forth a Savior one who is to be a ruler in Jerusalem. This is quoted in the Gospels. Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem. Then there's the prophet Nahum is next. Nahum prophesied, then took delight in the destruction of Nineveh. Now, I said in Jonah, the Ninevites did uh, repent and God spared them for a time, but they were still the this, I hate to say, but a hated group who who were persecuting the Jews. Um, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And so when they were destroyed, Nahum and his people delighted in that. However, at the same time, Nahum gives us a warning. Do not be too smug, for just as God judged the Assyrians, particularly the Ninevites, God will judge you as well. And so he, he kind of turned it from being, you know, kind of a, a 
a, a story about being glad that God has smote, smited the Ninevites to now saying, but be careful, the same thing will happen to us if we do not repent. Next, Habakkuk. The, Habak- the prophet Habakkuk complains, how long, O Lord, I cry for help and you do not listen. He represents all of us who cry out to God, thinking, wondering, are you hearing me? I mean, look around. There's all these things happening in the world, in my life, in my family. Um, how long, O oh God? But God answers him. Instead of chastising him, how dare you question me, God answers Habakkuk and says, wait for it. My, I will come to you. I am coming. I do hear you. I will be there with you. I will be there for you. God will use the Babylonians to execute his judgment. And it ends with prophecy again of the coming of the Messiah. The next, the ninth of the minor prophets, Zephaniah. Zephaniah condemned idolatry, as did all of the prophets, which was widespread at the time. The rites that were alien to monotheism taught by Moses flourished in Jerusalem at the time of Zephaniah. But a day of judgment is coming, he said. And for those who persevere, a day of vindication will follow. Zephaniah, like all the others, again, called the people back to faithfulness, tried to get people to leave their idols and come back to the only, the living, the true God. Next is Haggai. Haggai encouraged and exhorted people to rebuild after the exile like so many others, when they went back to Jerusalem and saw that the temple had been destroyed and everything, after the people mourned and grieved for a period of time, people like the prophet Haggai and others encouraged people, rallied people to do what was necessary, not only to rebuild the temple, but to rebuild the faith in them and to keep the law of the Lord. Zechariah, similar to Haggai, rebuild and recommit yourselves to the Lord. He very clearly pivots from condemnation to prophecy about the Messiah. Again, you're seeing this in all the prophets. I, my, I've said this before. One of my new favorite quotes in the Bible is comes from this prophet, Zechariah um, 8.23, when he says, In those days, ten people will take hold of every Jew by the by the shirt and say, take me with you, for God is with you. And then in the 10th chapter, we hear this. This is something that is instantly um, understandable or recognizable to us Christians. 10 verse 9. Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king shall come, meek and humble, riding on an ass. And so that obviously refers to Jesus entering into Jerusalem. We, we look back and we see that was prophetic that Jesus fulfilled that riding into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. So again, very harsh, but he pivots and points us toward the future, a future of hope. The 12th, the last of the minor prophets, Malachi. Malachi rails against people's unfaithfulness after the exile. And he also really has a lot of harsh words to say, especially to the priests of the day. They have come back from the exile. They have rebuilt. And yet now they're still unfaithful. And it's just that's unfathomable to uh, Malachi and many people of his day. And so he's, he's really just kind of railing against them, as I said. But 
there's that great message of hope right at the end. Lo, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the day of the Lord comes, the great and terrible day. In Jesus' day, they questioned, who is what, what does this refer to? Has Elijah come or is he coming back? And Jesus says, for those who are prepared to accept it, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that prophecy. John the Baptist is, if you will, the second coming of Elijah, in a sense. Now, this is interesting because right after that, that verse in the Bible, Malachi and the prophets, the collection of the prophets ends with this to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with doom. And that really was how the Hebrew scriptures ended with that pronouncement. But, you know, later on, they, they, our ancestors said, well, you know, that's kind of a harsh way to end um, the Hebrew scriptures. And so they repeated that line about Elijah. So that's really how it ends. So it's actually just the same thing is repeated at the end of Malachi. Lo, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the day of the Lord comes, the great and terrible day. So there, it ends with the message of hope. Now, those who have been paying attention notice that I did not mention two other very famous prophets, and there are many others, but especially Elijah and Elisha. We hear a lot about them in the books of Kings and, and elsewhere. And, that, that, and of course, there were a lot of prophets not mentioned who, didn't, who aren't, you know, didn't have their own works, their own compositions. But of course, that office was, was filled by many people. God called many people to be prophets then. As well, as, and if you're adding all this up, you say, wait a minute, that didn't add up to the, uh, the, the number you said at the beginning. That's true. Lamentations and Baruch, though they're not really prophetic books, are also, also um, brought into this and, and included in that body of Scripture. Lamentations, again, is just a series of lamentations, of cries, of, of grievances um, because of the the things that were happening in the day, especially the exile and the destruction of the temple. And Baruch, Baruch was a secretary of Jeremiah, so he, he really kind of repeated a lot of what Jeremiah had said. And so this brings us to the end of the Hebrew scriptures. However, I kind of did this out of order, so the next episode I will talk about wisdom, the wisdom literature in the Bible, which is one of my favorite collections because I took a class on that, a couple of classes, and I just, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Just tune in next time. But now we've come to the end with the prophets, the end of the Hebrew scriptures. We learned about the origin of the Hebrew people, the call of God to be his special people, the giving of the law, the exhortation to be faithful and to return to the law, prophecies of the day of the Lord and the new covenant. The stage is set for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Everything points to him. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, wow, another informative and just inspiring um, talk from Bishop Walk on the prophets. Not simple either. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, you know, Chess, for me, I think the one big thing that um, stood out to me initially was, you know, when um, Isaiah heard the call um, and he replied, Here I am, Lord. Um, you know, I've, you know, I will do your will. And, uh, he did it without hesitation. 
And, you know, I can remember um, Father LeCary one time having a sermon and uh, asking us that question. You know, if you were asked, you know, how would you respond? And it's a great question. Mm. And, you know, I think the majority of us would probably hesitate, at least initially. Um, You know, and Jeremiah, I mean, he said, what, me? I'm too young. And, you know, you'd probably look at yourself and go, gosh, I'm, am I the right person? Really? You want me to do it? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what he did. He he called upon just regular people to... um, to go out there and uh, and speak and you know and they did it with uh, you know with meeting a lot of resistance and mm-hmm. you know being persecuted and all those other things and so it just was amazing how they st- stood there though and and kept preaching the word um, right I I can't I think every Christian finds himself in at this kind of a decision point at some time in their life in some situation, whether it's a moment of crisis or that feeling that God's nudging you in a different direction. But it's, it's great that we don't deal with that just alone, that we can open up the scriptures and the heroes. I mean, these people are the heroes of, of our faith in many ways, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all these prophets that the Bible allows us to see their indecision and their lack of confidence. When if if you look at other ancient mythologies and mm-hmm. heroes and all these sorts of things, they don't have that kind of inner dilemma. They're gods or they're super people, um, and and the heroes you look up to are truly kind of like above the rest. Our heroes are sitting there like, God, are you really calling me? <laughs> yes. Do I have to? I don't mm-hmm. want to. You know, and it's just so. It's we're so graced that we get to relate to these people in that way. Absolutely. And. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I totally hear your sentiments. I've heard that that song, Here I Am, Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all heard it about yes. a, well, a lot of times, <laughs> more than we care to hear sometimes. But you can't help but get gripped by that sort of, those those words, like, I have to say that. Like, Correct. I can't get away without saying that in my life somehow. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, one of the things stuck out to both of us was, mm-hmm. Um, Bishop pointing out the prophet, the, pro- the gift of prophecy, prophetism, this office or this this charism in the Old Testament was transient and not hereditary. That's right. And whereas the priesthood in the Old Testament was hereditary mm-hmm. in, in the tribe of Levi, um, and in many ways, be, being a a Jew, being a part of the chosen people, was hereditary. This. Was not. This was something that previews kind of the experience of no Christian is born. Right. Like, even if you're baptized the day after, mm-hmm. you are still called as an individual. You are not just simply rubber stamped, boom, you belong to this genetic line, and there you go forward. And we get a sense of this even in the midst of, and I think for many people, they look at the prophets as so relatable because they're clearly called out of their element, out of their kind of family situation out of their priestly office or their, their their position in society for a specific role that serves purposes the purposes of God only. Um, and it's such a grace that this is not something like the kingship of Israel that's passed on hereditarily. This is something that belongs to God, and he places the call on the people that he deems fit, and he equips them <laughs> even when they say, I'm not equipped, and, uh, and, he, and it clearly belongs to him. It doesn't belong to the family name 
or the bloodline. It belongs to God specifically. And that's just so important for keeping the integrity of the message um, of the Old Testament, keeping it alive, keeping it, keeping it, it um, relevant instead of just like, you're just saying that because you're so-and-so's son, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, as I was um, going back and, you know, reading about the prophets a little bit more, you know, the final thing that really stuck out to me was when I read Lamentations, And mm. that's, you know, really a collection of poetry. And it talks about the griefs, the anxieties that the Jewish people were feeling when they were in exile. And I think that's so relatable to what's going on today, especially over in Ukraine yeah. and, you know, the people over there. And, you know, there's one passage in particular that I'd like to read to you. It's from chapter one, verse one. It says, How solitary sits the city, once filled with people. She who is great among the nations is now like a widow. Once a princess among the provinces, now a toiling slave. Oof. Yeah, kind of powerful, huh? Rich, poetic. Very. Relatable. Very. Grabs your attention. Definitely does. So please, 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 everyone, go out there, read the Book of the Prophets, and uh, get to know this, because there's so much that we can learn from, and there's so much that's relatable to us here today yeah it's lent guys and um there's always people oftentimes pick up their bibles a little bit more during lent and there's like what can i read that really speaks to me in a spiritual in a spiritual way i i remember doing i I read isaiah for one for one lent and it just it was so refreshing every day it changes so much bishop kind of mentioned there's like almost two or three different versions of isaiah um but it takes you on a spiritual journey these people felt the, the presence of God in their lives mm-hmm. in in a different way than I think some of the other parts of the Bible express sometimes. So compared to the historical books, which can be a little bit listy, yes. sometimes these people are not writing lists. These no. people are like <laughs> feeling the call of God and the problems of their age like deep in their guts and they are responding to it. And it's just something that it drives you to prayer. It drives you to to want to learn more and know more and ask God and beg God for for him to, to show up in, in your life the same way that they did for the prophets. So, uh, yeah, a great time to do so. Thanks, everyone, for joining us here today. Um, stay tuned for our next uh, Gaudium et Spes podcast, where we will have a special guest. We'll see you in two weeks, guys. Thank you for tuning in today to the Gaudium et Spes podcast. If you would like to know more about our podcast, please visit gaudiumetspes.net or go to ptdiocese.org and click the button that says podcast. If you listen to the audio version from an app such as iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, be sure and rate, review, and comment. If you watched us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe or leave us a comment there as well. Thank you for joining us.